This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Just last week, a Hydro-Quebec employee was arrested for allegedly stealing trade secrets on behalf of China. Uh, incredibly, this is, I mean, it's a big deal because the charges were laid, but it's also a really big deal because Canada has never actually applied the rather minimal laws that Canada has in place to deal with economic espionage like this. We've only got a couple, but this is the first time we've ever actually used them. So are we seeing Canada start to get more serious about this issue or, you know, what what, what is this signal, if anything? And if, if it is, then, then we've got a lot of work to do. To talk about that, we have Matt Malone joining us, who's an assistant professor at Thompson Rivers University's Faculty of Law. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. So let's just run down this, this particular case, charges laid against a Hydro-Quebec employee. What do we know about the charges and the accusations here? So we don't know that much. The individual is a 35-year-old uh, person who lives in Candiac, Quebec, and who was an employee at Hydro-Quebec. Now, he's been charged uh, with four counts. One is obtaining trade secrets on behalf of a foreign economic entity. The other one is uh, obtaining trade secrets. Uh, it's a broad provision that we have. And then there are sort of two other uh, provisions regarding the use of a computer in an unauthorized way and the breach of trust by a public officer. Now, in terms of the laws that Canada has on the books to deal with this, we've only got two. Is that true? Yeah. So Canada has two trade secret laws. One is pretty new. Uh, we've had one since 2001, uh, which criminalizes and punishes trade secret theft that's directed by a foreign entity, whether that's a corporation or a country. And then since uh, 2020, we've also had another law uh, on our books, which was passed as a result of the um, Canada-United States-Mexico trade agreement, the Kusma negotiations, mm -hmm. which criminalizes all types of trade secret theft. So regardless of whether it's directed by uh, or for the benefit of a foreign economic entity. Okay, I got you. Now, um, this is kind of a big deal because we've never actually enforced either of these laws. I mean, the fact that we only have two and they're relatively new is another topic we'll get to in a second. But we really lag behind our friends and neighbors when it comes to, you know, even enforcing these laws, right? That's right. And there's a really big disconnect between how the government talks about this issue as a threat and how it prosecutes it when it actually happens. So in 2018, there was a very notable speech by the director of the Canadian Security and Intelligence Service, uh, David Vigneault, who said that, you know, this type of this type of activity constituted the greatest threat to the national prosperity of the country. And yet since then, we hadn't had up until last Monday or last Tuesday when the charges were laid um, any use of either of the provisions that I that I mentioned. And so there's a there's a rather big disconnect between how we're talking about it and how we approach it. And in the United States, in Australia, and the UK, the approach is fundamentally different. I mean, the U.S. has prosecuted at least over 400 people for um, stealing trade secrets on the behalf of uh, foreign economic entities since the over the last two decades. Um, President Obama passed a strategy to mitigate the theft of trade secrets. Uh, 
President Trump, continued by President Biden, launched something called the China Initiative, specifically focusing on trade secret theft by China. Um, and there are sort of similar types of activities and efforts you see from the UK and Australia and other allies. And, and I mean, I, I think I know the answer to this question, but no one's under the assumption that those countries have a problem, whereas Canada doesn't. It's not because we're not prosecuting these crimes, not because they're not happening. It's just we haven't prosecuted them. I think no one's under that assumption. And I also think we have a little bit of a difficulty both in our reporting structures that exist and in our prosecuting structures. And I think the history that Canada has in recent years shown is one that is just not very good at handling this type of problem. You know, we've had some really embarrassing screw-ups with our, um, you know, intelligence communities and law enforcement communities. I mean, the director general of the RCMP's top intelligence unit is currently on trial for having still sold state secrets, the Cameron Ortiz case, which is still going to trial. It's huge evidentiary issues around that. Um, the National Security Intelligence Review Agency, which oversees um, the RCMP, CSIS, and other agencies uh, like the community, uh, like the CSE, for example, um, they re- they suffered a hack in March. Um, their networks were breached. So I think we're we're very aware that this is an area where Canada is is kind of making a few missteps, and and we're we're not sort of acting at the level that a, a lot of our peer states are. That's for sure. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Is it because we fear retribution? I mean, we know what happened with the Huawei case and all the rest, the two Michaels. Is that that it? We're just timid? That's an interesting question. I think that's potentially part of the story for why we might not have such a robust approach. I mean, we're certainly not the United States, and maybe that has influenced why. Um, But I think the the underlying issues really have to do with um, how our prosecution services are set up. Um, You know, the Public Prosecution Service of Canada, which is responsible for prosecuting this type of theft, doesn't really have any attorneys that are specifically devoted to prosecuting it. That in itself is really different from the U.S., from Australia, from the U.K. I mean, the U.S. has a, you know, a unit within the Department of Justice that specifically tackles this type of issue. Uh, We don't have anything like that in the Public Prosecution Service of Canada, which prosecutes criminal offenses on behalf of the government. So that's the first issue. I think the second issue is that we don't really have enough tools in the hands of private actors. And that's something that I've been advocating for for quite some time, is to provide better tools to private actors, to industry. Uh, And we do know that they're suffering trade secret theft. I mean, there's, you know, Bombardier um, suffered a very significant uh, alleged trade secret theft uh, issue a couple years ago when uh, Mitsubishi Heavy Industries essentially took a lot of its certification team out. That case was prosecuted, uh, well, that case was launched not in Canada, but in the United States, because we essentially did not have adequate laws for private actors. So one of the things that I've been really advocating for is to create a Canada Trade Secrets Act that would provide a vehicle for private actors to sort of launch their own lawsuits. 
And I could launch, I could sort of list a few other cases. I mean, there's Groundhog, which was a crypto startup in Halifax, um, had a trade secret theft issue. Again, they didn't have a law in Halif- in Nova Scotia or in Canada through which they could, uh, you know, go after the offending party. So they launched their lawsuit in New York City. You know, uh, Precision Weather in Winnipeg, which is a ag tech company, had a similar issue. They launched their lawsuit in Virginia. So the fact that we're forcing Canadian victims of trade secret theft to go overseas to defend themselves is a little unfortunate. Yeah, that, that, that's just bizarre. I mean, other countries, obviously, I mean, if, if, if they're filing these lawsuits in the United States, obviously they have laws in place where you can do that. I mean, are, are, is it once again Canada lagging behind what other countries have done? That's my view. Uh, so the Obama administration in 2014 passed a you know vast civil trade secrets law that let private parties start to do some of the enforcement work. And I think this is the sweet spot we need to get to. We need enforcement by the government. We need criminal enforcement when we have issues that are really involving you know the People's Republic of China. And we've got a state-sanctioned trade secret theft issue going on. But then I think we also need private enforcement because I think private actors are faster, they're nimbler, uh, they're often better suited and more interested in, in obtaining uh, outcomes to stop sort of the trade secret theft or to to respond to it or to remediate it. So I think I think we need to hit a sweet spot where we balance it. And I think that starts with making certain tools available to the private sector in Canada. The current tools that exist are all sort of judge-made, so they're mm-hmm. created by precedents in the common law. And I think those are inadequate in this era that we live in with, with um, espi- economic espionage, with uh, sort of the transmission and the hypermobility of information in the digital era. Is there any reason to think that maybe, based on what we saw with the charges last week, there is a different view to how to go about handling this situation in Canada? Maybe we'll see some of the changes you've talked about? That's an interesting question. I I do hope. I, I think that in itself, the uh, laying of the charges does signal that Canada is taking this seriously. But it does put Canada in uncharted waters in terms of how uh, how the prosecution will unfold. There's all kinds of evidentiary issues that are difficult with trade secrets cases because the government essentially has to disclose the evidence publicly unless it can obtain a sealing order in the interest of national security and so forth. So there's some challenges in terms of how they might be prosecuted. I think the fact that the charges have been laid themselves signals that there is an interest in doing this. And um, I think that's an interest that our allies are going to be very happy to see. Um, You know, the United States has really um, singled out Canada for having lackluster enforcement of intellectual property laws for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been on a watch list um, from the United States Trade Representative for years. I mean, I think that, it's, it's something positive for sure. That second law that we have that you were talking about, we really only did that. I mean, I, it's almost fair to say kicking and screaming because the United States said we had to, right? They sat us down and said it's time to get serious. Basically. So the trade representative bragged about the fact that they forced Canada to pass the law. <laughs> and then when we did pass the law, it was part of the omnibus legislation that enacted KUSMA. And so that's the only reason why we amended our, our criminal law. And frankly... Although the law is promising because it creates possibilities to prosecute this theft, the way the law is drafted is is very broad. It says anyone who takes a trade secret, you know, communicates by deceit, fraud, um, and so forth, anyone who takes this trade secret 
is susceptible to criminal liability. But it's so broadly drafted that it almost gave rise to questions around, you know, the types of scenarios to which it would apply. Would it only apply when there was a foreign element involved? Would it apply if any employee sent uh, an email from their employer to them to their personal email address, for example, on the day they left? Um, you know, what what nuance, what level of trade secrecy were we really protecting with it? So there was a lot of uncertainty. And unfortunately, the government did not provide guidance about how it intended to actually investigate and prosecute uh, the law. So this is also really interesting that the government has decided to use uh, this case as a first instance uh, for, for the use of that law. Be interesting to see where this goes. But like you say, it's a development that's definitely worth noting. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Of course. Thanks for having me on. That is Matt Malone, who is an assistant professor at Thompson Rivers University's Faculty of Law.